recap last week, basically what we're looking at is there's these three components when we talk about vision for a church. Uh, and that baseline component is this, Jesus, all right, and a relationship with Jesus. And what, what we're seeing there is that we're connected with Christ and that it's going to cost us something, all right? We have to give up something in order to be part of Christ. We realize that. Uh, those that are followers of Jesus realize that, you know, life isn't just all good all the time because I follow Jesus. But what I'm giving up is this. I'm giving up my life so that Christ can live in and through me and impact the community and the people around me. And in that, we, we see that we have to then submit. We have to submit to Jesus, and this changes everything. It changes the way that we act, the way that we think, the way that we talk, uh, the way that we interact with people. And we realize, too, that, you know what, we're going to stumble and we're going to make mistakes, and that's okay. It's what we do from that point that matters. And then we also see this third component, which was fruitfulness, and that means that we're gonna, God is going to use us to change the people around us. And this fruitfulness might not look exactly like we had intended. It might look like it's a little bit slower than what we thought. And so, but we have to be patient and we have to know that God is for us. God is for the people that are around us. And this fruitfulness will happen over time. And so today we're going to turn to a verse in 2 Corinthians 12. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 12. And uh, we're going to look at this. Because I think that what, what the whole thing with today is being connected to a local community called a church and realizing that this church is just a small portion of the church, the capital C church. And so if we look at this, let's go ahead and read. Uh, we're going to go, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body, so it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews and some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we, are, we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many parts, not just one. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? I tried to find pictures of this online. It just... Don't do it. Um, and so, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each of us together as he wants, or where he wants. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts that we regard less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that we should, not, should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. 
So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here we are Here are some of the parts that God has appointed to the church. And he goes on and he he talks about the first are the apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then those who do miracles, then those with the gift of healing, then those that can help others, then those that have the uh, gift of leadership, and those that can speak in unknown languages. He says, are all of you apostles, prophets, teachers, have the power to do miracles, and so on? He says, of course not. You should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, but no, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And then he goes on and talks about how love is the greatest thing. Here's what the deal is, I think, with the function of the church. There's three parts that I want to go over today, and that's this. What am I, are functioning together, what am I good at, and do something. Functioning together. How many? I'm going to ask a question. It's a rhetorical question. You don't have. In other words, you don't have to answer. Just answer it in your mind. How many of you showed up here by accident this morning? And the more important question. That would be weird. All right. All right. We. If that was you. If you had. If you yet. If you answered yes, I want you before you leave today just to go meet somebody over by that door over there because we're going to get you home. All right. Now here's the deal. How many of you keep coming back every? week or like three times a month and so this would be this is going to be a little bit weird what I'm about to have you do but I need you to do this okay and it might be a strange thing just look around like I know it's weird right just look like literally look around right now you know don't catch somebody's eyes too long okay (laughs) like look around don't stare okay good okay you guys are very good. You guys are like, ah, okay, I'm not stopping. Um, okay, cool. So these are your brothers and sisters in Christ at this local body called Lakeland Vineyard, those people that you just saw, all right? Uh, now think about this. As you looked around, and we've talked about this before, as you looked around, no judgment here, how many of you honestly think outside of Christ that we would be gathered together this morning? Just like this. I'm going to give you a percentage that I think it'd be. Zero. All right? A very low percentage that this group would gather together weekly without Jesus being the center of what's going on. All right? And so what do we do? We function together. We have the opportunity through the power of Christ to change our community. Now think about that. We have the opportunity through Christ in us as a church community to turn our community outside of these walls upside down for Jesus. We're given that opportunity. That is what I think we're called to. That's what functioning together would look like. Now, we have a couple options here, all right? We have the option to say, hey, you know what, that's, that's a reality. Like, 
us together is better than us apart. We can make more of an impact together than we can make apart, so let's do this. And then we begin to actually do this thing. The other option is that we can continue to meet here every week, and we can have the opportunity to do nothing together. Good times. All right. I would highly love it if we opted for the first one. If we said, no, you know, let's look around. These are my brothers and sisters in Christ. God, you, you've brought me here. I keep coming back to this place. And I want to function with these people. And I want to I do some stuff. I want to I see this community around here changed. And so it takes effort, right? And so people say silly stuff like this. I've heard so many people say this before. And I'm not gifted at anything. How many of you have heard, I'm not even going to ask how many of you have said that, but how many of you have heard of somebody say, man, I'm just not gifted at anything, okay? Let me tell you something. That is just not the truth because then that very next moment, you see that person that said, I'm not gifted at anything, and they're going over and they're talking to somebody that's new, and they're making them feel welcomed, and they're getting them some you know, coffee, and they're doing all this stuff, and you think, that's your gift. Like, that's the gift, Okay, but you know, but I mean, if I'm not up front strumming a guitar or if I'm not speaking or if I'm not doing you fill in the blank, okay, then I'm not really gifted, right? And so here's what I think we say to ourselves and we keep making this statement, I'm not really good at anything. Now, what if we just flipped that and we said, and we started to ask ourselves the deeper question, because it's so easy to say the first thing, I'm not really good at anything. What if we asked the deeper question and said, what am I good at? Like, look at your life. What are you good at? You're good at something, okay? So, for me, all right, I'm good. I, I can annoy my kids and my wife. Like, I'm super, okay, so that's probably not a gift, all right? So we'll take those off. But then we go, I mean, you go down the list, right? What am I gifted at? You know, Ryan, I'll use Ryan as an example. I've known him for a couple of years. Um, Ryan, what's Ryan? Okay, that's a bad example. Um, let's, no, Ryan, what Ryan is good at is a lot of things, first of all. But he's definitely good at design work, all right? He's definitely good at building stuff. He's definitely good at operating heavy equipment, all right? So out of those things, I'm feeling lawn mowing team for you. Okay, so here's the deal. <laughs> but seriously, like we look at that and we would think, well, what in the world could he do as part of the church? What's up? Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, sorry, that's a given. He also plays the drums really well, all right? And so, you know, how could, that, how could that serve? Well, when you team him and Jacob up together, go around and look at every graphic and every sign that we have on this campus. They're the ones that did it, all right? And so, is that, is that functioning in the body, though? Yes, it is. Absolutely. 
all right? If you're kind to people and you're nice and you don't get ticked off when someone cuts you off and you're more like, oh, bless them, Lord, you probably have the gift of hospitality. And you have a gentle spirit and you probably need to be on our team that welcomes people to Lakeland Vineyard, honestly, you know? And so there's very practical stuff that you can do. And here's what I would say to you is this. Do something uh, is not the next thing. What am, I, what am I good at was that. And you got to ask yourself, what am I good at? Okay, stop standing around. And I'll encourage you with this. Stop standing around waiting to be someone else and just be you. I believe this, that God created you and you is who God created And he's not ashamed of you. He's not embarrassed of you. He's in love with you. And he desires to see you function in the body the way that he created you. Without apologies, that is how you're to function. And so that's what you're to do. And then the last thing is do something. Now I want to hold, I want to just relieve everyone's stress here today. All right? with my next statement, because I think it's so important, and this is probably why a high percentage of us hold back from actually functioning. And I'm just going to say this up front. Yes, you are going to fail. You're going to. How do I know that? Because I've done it. It takes practice, right? Now, if you get really good at it, that's an issue, but you're going to fail sometimes, and sometimes the fail's going to look like a little trip, right? And then sometimes it's going to look like a face plant, but it's cool because, again, guess what? Those people that you looked around and you saw, dude, they have all failed at some point too. This is not a crowd of perfection. This is a crowd of people in a process of following Jesus Christ. I learned this good lesson one time. I forgot to ask for me. I'm probably going to get kicked for this, but it's mainly my fault. I, we, Jen and I went out to First Watch. We went out to First Watch. If you haven't been there for breakfast, I mean, just Go. Okay, candied bacon, I'm telling you, I gained five pounds, but it was all good. So Jen and I went there. We had a gift card, thank you. Um, And so we went there and we had breakfast. And I'm telling you, we've been married for 15 years, 15 and a half years. It It was a doozy of a date, wasn't it? We marked it as, well, I marked it as the worst date of our lives, okay, for some of the date, we sat there in silence. For other of the date, I sat there with steam coming out of my ears. It was good. Like, I'm thinking, this, this is how I want to spend my morning. Okay? Now, here's, you got to know my wife is, she's cool. All right? And so here's what came out of this whole deal, though. We had this, just, it was worst date. We were just, tension, man. You could cut it with a knife. Here's what came out of it. I said, baby, that was just the worst date ever, wasn't it? I gave it a little time, okay? For me, that means two or three hours, okours. Okay? For her, that means something else. Um, so 
So I gave her, I said, dude, that was just the worst date ever. And she looked at me with wisdom beyond her age, and she goes, you're right, it was the worst date ever if we didn't learn anything from it. And I was like, So I was like, I'm going to write that. I didn't even have to write it down. It's written here, man. I'm telling you, when she said that, I was like, wow, so true, right? And um, so, yeah, it was good. And so having said that, it was like the best date ever then. I was like, okay, we learned a lot from that. Um, And so I'm just going to say this. James 2.14 says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith? but does not have works. And I've said it again, and I'll I'll continue to say it. I've said it before. And if you read Francis Chan, just be prepared. Read Crazy Love. Be prepared to be very challenged. Um, You know, read any of his stuff. And Jen and I are going through a book right now called Me and You Forever. We've just got through the uh, introduction. And uh, already crazy challenged. But it gives a fantastic perspective on marriage. Matter of fact, chapter one is called, Marriage Isn't All That Great. I was like, I got to read. What is this guy? And what he's saying is marriage in the light of eternity. And look at what greatness really is. What are we doing here? And he got, I mean, it's a good book. Just, it talks about how in and, you know, we always ask people, when are you getting married? When are you getting married? Like, that's the ultimate goal of life. And then you can build an idol called your marriage and an idol called your family. And so he just talks about that. But he, here's what he says, and his perspective on this was awesome on doing something. Francis Chan says this. Sometimes people are paralyzed by fear of failure. They are so afraid that they might do the wrong thing that they do nothing. We need to learn to err on the side of action because we tend to default to negligence. So many won't do anything unless they hear a voice from heaven telling them precisely what to do. Why not default to action until we hear the voice from heaven telling us to stop? For example, why not assume that you should adopt kids unless you hear the voice telling you not to? Wouldn't that seem like a more biblical perspective? Since God has told us that true religion is to care for the widows and the orphans, like he said in James 1, 27. Sock full of pennies, okay? When, he, when, I, when we're listening to this, and he, tell, and he does that line. Why don't we err on the side of action? Instead of the voice from heaven telling us when to do precisely, and I've had this conversation over and over and over again with people is this. Well, I just don't know if this is what God wants me to do. The first question I ask, and not in arrogance, is have you been reading the Word? You want to know what God wants you to do, read the Bible. 
And once you read the Bible, you don't have any excuses. Do we understand that? There's no excuses. Like the Bible is telling us, here's what we need to do. Chapter 13 in 1 Corinthians, love is the greatest. Who cares if you have all these gifts, but if you don't have love, you have nothing. Man. And so he tells us that faith without action, it's dead. Yet we want to know, well, God, I just, I want to know precisely what you want to do. And what, what is that? Here's what that is. I believe. I believe that us saying that is a secret way of saying, I don't want to fail. I really do believe that. I know that's been true in my life. Well, God, I just want to do precisely what you want to do. So you sit back and you might not do anything. And in that time where there's nothing going on, you could be used of God. I don't believe there's any time where God doesn't desire to use you. And that might be in silence. That might be meeting with someone. That might be returning a favor to someone or not even Maybe just giving someone something that you feel like God is leading you to do and you're like, I don't know if this is God. Well, just do it. See, I believe that we can get so caught up in doing the right, the exact right thing that we don't do anything. And I want to bring some encouragement to you this morning, Lakeland Vineyard. You have been doing some really good things. Really good things. When we looked over that list of people that were baptized, when we looked over that list of how much was, was given over and above the mission's commitments, we, we were like, What? I mean, we had a what conversation together, and then we had to call Jen on speaker to figure out the what, okay? But, you know, it was true. We had given that much over, over what was committed. And I thought, man, we're ministering to kids at, at Medella Elementary School that we tell them, yeah, we'll be back in two weeks. They're like, oh, my gosh, why that long? You know, and I'm telling you this, it's nothing that we're doing. I know this full on. It is Jesus who is ministering to those kids in and through us. You know, and then the next thing we have to say is, what are we going to do? Guys, I understand prayer is unimportant to some people. Here's what I believe, though. It is essential to see the kingdom of God come. And I, I, would, I would ask you this. If you have the opportunity to be a part of, of, the, of the prayer that we do on the second Wednesday, the third Wednesday of every month, 
and it's specifically for the neighborhood over here, I would encourage you to be part of that. And if you can't be here, if you can't come here on that Wednesday, I would encourage you to mark it on your calendar and be praying for that neighborhood. What are we going to do, Andy? I don't know. But I know God has called us to that neighborhood. I do not have a five-step plan for that neighborhood. That neighborhood, to me, is there's no central location. There's no park. There's no nothing. But I don't. That's just all the stuff that we can look at logistically and say, oh, that's not a good one to reach out to. That's a great one because we can't come up with the plans. We can't have this central location where everybody can meet and have this thing. We're going to have to reach out and we're going to have to be a part and we're going to have to know these people in the neighborhood. We're going to have to walk those streets and we're going to have to pray for people. We're going to have to encourage believers that are in that neighborhood. And guess what? They don't have to be part of Lakeland Vineyard. But again, it goes back to this. Jesus is the foundation for it all. We can have great ideas, but without a relationship with Jesus, it gets us nowhere.